It is Easter still. I want to remind everyone, and we continue our celebration of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love in our tradition how Easter is more than a day, but manifests itself for a whole season, all the way to Pentecost. During Easter season, the lectionary moves away from our usual Old Testament reading and instead makes its annual foray into the book of Acts. And today is no exception. I love preaching on Acts. And it's tempting to read Acts as a history of the early church, but that would be a mistake. I think Acts is best understood as a recounting not of what actually happened, but as a lens to see how the Holy Spirit acted in the world around the early disciples, so that we can apply that lens to our world today and see where Holy Spirit is acting here and now. Now today's short reading is considered one of Acts' socialist readings, And as a reading that is likely to make listeners in late-stage capitalism a little nervous. I mean, what are we if not defined by our possessions, our material things? What is this about everything held in common, even if the benefit means that there's not a needy person among them? Theologian Willie James Jennings, in his wonderful commentary on Acts, claims that the entire book of Acts is centered on revolution as it depicts what life looks like in the disrupting presence of the Spirit of God. Today's revolution centers on money. He tells us, money, money, matters of money are inescapable. Money here is used to destroy what money is normally used to create, distance and boundaries between people, end quote. Not just between the haves and the have-nots, but also between the needy and the comfortable between those who say they follow Jesus and those who actually do something to help the poor. It's not hard to find those same divisions in the world around us today, suggesting that the Holy Spirit's revolution is still underway and we're still called to act. The community of believers is described in Acts as of one heart and soul, of one heart and soul. I like to think that our little community of St. Peter's is, at its best, approaching something like being of one heart and soul. When we are a sanctuary to those who've been damaged by other traditions, when we embrace our LGBTQ sisters and brothers, when we speak the gospel of inclusion, I think we approach being of one heart and soul. And this week, more than most, I believe we are being called to lift our voices to break out of our comfortable Conway shell and make our radically inclusive brand of Christianity known. See, I, like many of you, have watched in shock as our own Arkansas legislature takes stands the past few weeks that I am convinced run counter to our gospel belief. Even if those stands are being made in the name of Christian belief, the so-called Conscience Act, which lets doctors, nurses, and even pharmacists deny services to someone because of their gender or sexual identity. The mean-spirited transgender sports bill, which overcame our governor's veto by substantial and frightening margins, makes me angry. Not because I happen to disagree with the bills, which I do, but because of the deep pain and damage I see them doing to members of our very own community. A former member of St. Peter's posted, I don't feel safe here anymore on Facebook. 
In our sacred ground meeting on Tuesday, at least five people claimed they were seriously considered leaving the state as a result of these actions. It feels scary out there. I'm scared. And no matter where you stand on the bills, you should be outraged by the pain and division it is creating among our very own community. Not to mention the countless youth out there who are now living in fear, even if that fear is out of concern for a good friend or neighbor, and not even themselves. And I believe we at St. Peter's and the Episcopal Church at large are being called to let this country know that we represent a different kind of Christianity, one that's not afraid of diversity, but sees it as a reflection of God's creativity, of God's desire for all creation to flourish. And don't just take my word for it. The divisive culture war style of Christianity that's being lifted up in this country is damaging people's idea of what Christianity is, perhaps irrevocably. In his article, on, in his article titled, It's Time to Rethink American Churches on Sojourners.com, the Reverend Adam Russell Taylor cited the disturbing new findings from the latest Gallup survey released just last week. For the first time ever, claimed membership in houses of worship fell below 50% in this country to 47%. This is down from 50% just in 2018. So think about it. Nearly 10 million fewer people claim affiliation in just these last three years. 10 million. And over 56 million fewer members since 1999, when 70% of the U.S. population claimed affiliation with a house of worship from, from 70% to 47%. And Taylor points the blame on the rise of the religious right. Citing David Campbell, a professor at Notre Dame, he says, quote, the decline in church membership is an allergic reaction to the religious right and the perception that many American religions are hostile to LGBTQ rights. Here at St. Peter's, we are anything but that. In his article, Reverend Taylor cited the Arkansas Conscience Bill by name and called it an alarming law. He claims that instead of being, in, instead of being defined by all the things that we are against and the people we want to exclude, Christians should be striving to be defined by our radical love, especially toward those who have been most excluded, as well as by our commitment to advance justice for all. And that is at the core of who we are at St. Peter's. We are a place of radical love, especially toward the excluded, the oppressed, and a place committed to advancing justice for everyone. In my previous life, when I worked in marketing all those years, I'd say that this style of evangelical nationalism that's ascended in this country, especially in states like here in Arkansas, is damaging the brand, the perception of Christianity. Now, the good news is God's in charge and faith will survive this latest attack. It always does, but it may be a while. The Lutheran church in Germany has never really recovered from its messy affiliation with the Nazi regime in the 1930s and 40s. That country that was once home to the heart and mind of Protestant Christianity is now dominated by unaffiliated and unbelieving. Is that our future? Exile? I think we are being called to share who we are, united in heart and soul like those early Christians in Acts, as a community that welcomes everyone, 
As we say in our Eucharistic prayer, just before distributing the elements, no matter where you are in your journey of faith, you are welcome at Christ's table. That's a radical thought. A revolution, you might say, brought on by the Holy Spirit. A revolution today, just as it was in the time of Acts. Now, I know it would be easier just to stay here with each other, more or less alike in our mind and spirit. Although I know we're not all of one mind, thank God, because that would be incredibly boring. But today's Gospel reading from John reminds us of the chronic temptation for the church to stay behind closed doors. The disciples are gathered in the upper room, presumably out of shock and fear. The door is securely fastened, and twice we're told Jesus makes it through the locked doors. Jesus meets us where we are, even when we're locked behind doors of doubt and fear and suspicion and hatred. He greets them both times with the simple phrase, peace be with you. The phrase carries significance. It carries weight. This is not a peace that lets them retreat further into the safety of the locked room, but instead they are cast out into their dangerous surroundings. As the Father has sent me, so I send you, he says. And he breathes Holy Spirit into them, and with that they are no longer disciples, but apostles. They are sent ones. In a few moments we'll share the peace with each other, and think of it as a reminder of our call to be apostles, sent ones, every time we repeat it. And even today, the church has a tendency to retreat from the workings of the world around us, creating instead a safe, comfortable space to retreat to on a Sunday morning. But our job is not just to tend to the personal, spiritual, and familial dilemmas that lie behind our closed doors. Jesus' commission, which we hear today, is to be sent ones, is to be apostles. We are called to contend with sin as it afflicts and affects the world in all its forms, out there where it's unsafe. So what can we do here in our little comfortable community in Conway, Arkansas? Well, we are working with the diocese on revitalizing a college and young adult ministry. We can reach out to young people, those most likely to leave the church, and show them a different way, a way of radical love that welcomes all, and all means all. Seeing a sermon in action is always more effective than listening to one, and that's what we'll do. We'll be a sermon in action. Those of you here or watching from home, I invite you to consider ways you can act. Now, I know we don't all agree, but I urge you to consider those in our family, our body of Christ, who are hurting, or afraid, or angry, or powerless. Consider making calls, or writing letters, or joining a march. Carry the St. Peter's banner. Wear a t-shirt. Simply tell our story. And if you are among those who are afraid, or in pain, or considering moving away, or if you completely disagree with me and want to vent, please know that Peggy and I are here to listen, to seek to understand, and to begin to help the healing please reach out to one of us. See, we are called to be the sent ones, the apostles. Now is the time to let our unique stories of radical inclusion be told. As in Acts, with great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Thanks be to God. Amen.